0: Mark chapter 14, I just read that very recently, Mark chapter 14, we're going to read verses 1 through 9, and then I want to speak to you this evening on the subject of the anointing of Jesus, the anointing of Jesus, Mark chapter 14, verse 1, after two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread. And the chief priest and the scribes sought how they might, they might take him by craft and put him to death. The him there that they're wanting to take in a crafty manner, a sly manner, a sneaky manner, is Jesus. That's who they're wanting to do. And their purpose is not justice. or purpose is they want to kill him. But they're trying to figure out how to do it without receiving a political backlash. That's the scenario. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. They had no thought towards right, justice, or anything else. They had just political expediency. How can we do this wrong and not have to face repercussions of it? And so that's where they were with it. Look in verse 3, and here we'll begin as it actually talks about this thing with the anointing of Christ. This is the time when Jesus' body was anointed for His burial the only time it got to be anointed there. Look at it. It says, And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, as Jesus did, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard. Very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? You might want to make a note of that word waste. For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence. And I remind you, a pence is a fair day's wage at that time. It might be sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good, but me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. We've fulfilled that tonight, haven't we? By here, we're thinking about her with this. And I want us to think about this thing about Jesus' anointing. There's some things very important that went on here. This was an act of love, worship, and devotion towards Christ. And there's some elements of that uh, that would be very, very important if we catch on to it and make it part of what we do for the Lord. Let's pray together, please. Father, thank You so much for an opportunity to open Your Word god it's a serious matter and lord i want to do it well i pray that you'll help father give me your strength and give your people hearing ears lord may they have a heart to learn your word and to be some who follow you closely teach us to teach us to walk in your way i ask in christ's name amen first of all i want you to notice something about this anointing what went on here uh it was not unusual in fact it was the common practice when someone died that there was, they would anoint their body with different uh, spices and balms and different things uh, to uh, try to help with the fragrance, not being too, too crude about that, and to just prepare them uh, for the burial. And uh, there wasn't going to be opportunity for this to be done in the normal way with the way Christ was crucified and all that happened there. And uh, so the Lord allowed and touched the heart here for uh, him to be anointed ahead of time when he did this when he had this anointing done there were some elements involved in it and uh, we're not there when Jesus died we're not there with his literal body but the same kind of devotion and love that led to him being anointed there's some elements of it that need to be involved in our following Christ I'm very interested as a pastor of this church I mentioned something today as uh, Brother Carpenter and I were talking, and this morning we have a meeting on Wednesday mornings, and I asked about a particular thing, and I got a good report on how people were helpful, and uh, what a blessing some of you have been. And I said, uh, quickness with which people wanted to be helpful is to me a sign, I've seen several things that show me there's some health, there's some strength within the body. And uh, some things about going forward that I like that I see. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I guess. I guess it's a blessing in a way. I'm not much of a preacher who gets shook up if uh, one service the building's completely full and the next service it seems like we have a good number of folks missing. You know, they haven't disappeared. They'll be back. It's just um, you know that's that's the nature of things. I literally have had pastor friends that just you know almost lose it. If all of a sudden their attendance drives off for a service, and I'm thinking, my goodness, uh, how are, how can you beat that emotional roller coaster? What can deal with that? Feed the folks that are there, and make it worthwhile, and look at folks who weren't there and say, you missed it. And it's just, you know, there's a different approach to life, I guess. But it's uh, uh, when I look at things, and I'm looking, I'm looking at the health of our church. Um, attendance is only one aspect of it. It does make a difference, and I do get concerned when people who are faithful, and if there's no given reason, at any given time, you have somebody with illness, things going on like that that are, are legitimate things that happen, but people just get slack. And if they make it, fine. If they don't make it, fine. Usually it starts with the evening service and stuff. If they make it, fine. And if not, they're getting lazy and slack in their Christian walk, and it leads somewhere bad, invariably. And I know that as a pastor. I'm always concerned when I see that because I'm concerned for the health of people uh, and their spiritual health. But with... Well, I'm looking for a whole lot of other things, too. I'm looking at... Uh, uh, the body edifying itself in love and looking at people looking for opportunities to serve and witness. You know, it is funny. I was asked twice within a, within a less than a two week period. Not many people are being nosier out of the way, but, uh, uh, other pastors, I was asked just kind of out of the blue, uh, how many people show up for organized soul winning time, that kind of thing in our church. And I thought, not very many, really it don't. And, uh, I, I thought about it and I, I said, Oh, that's funny. And, uh, uh, the one I had a little more time with, and um, uh, they, uh, uh, I said, that's a funny question. I said, because I get a good feel for what's going on, and I said, it's amazing to me in the course of any given week how many people will talk to me about somebody they got to witness to, somebody they got to give gospel track to, somebody they're dealing with, hey, preacher, I'm working on so-and-so, hey, I had this opportunity. And, and I thought, you know... Uh, I, I'm for it. I'm for doing things in an organized way. Sometimes having a specific responsibility and time helps us. But just like uh, on Saturday when we had, uh, we had the folks down from Anchor and, and, and we were out and, and having a great time of it and, and, and talking to people and out soul winning and out in the neighborhoods and stuff, my most in-depth, and I got to witness to people and give the gospel and witness to people while we were doing that, but my most in-depth, intense Time giving the gospel was after soul winning time was over that day. It was after I had met my wife for lunch, and then there was somebody outside, and I mentioned to you and there was a need there, and they were in town because of a funeral. And, and the door, the door opens up, and uh, I, I realize how much I am concerned with you being witnesses. I want you to witness. I want you to witness for Christ. But more than that, my heart's desire, I believe, guided by the Bible, is I want you to be witnesses. Not just this is this time I do this, and the week here's when I do this, but be a witness always for Christ. Always looking for opportunities. You'd be amazed at what's there, what opportunities are there when you do that. And so there's a lot of things to learn. First thing I want you to look at, if you will, look in verse 3. I want you to notice what the anointing was with. It was with anointment called spikenard. A lot of different properties about that that are worth our attention. One thing about it, it it has a lingering aroma and a very distinct aroma. People who are familiar with it would know if it was around. It's very costly, as is mentioned here. But it has a lingering aroma and it may even have been, it is strong enough that that aroma may still have been present at the time of the crucifixion. And so the broken and being broken Christ sending forth yet a fragrance, a lovely fragrance there at that time. But is an amazing thing. In December 2021, I looked some things up. One is you have this alabaster box. Now, I'm not sure, and you have your thoughts on it, that's fine. I, I wouldn't fuss over it one way or another. It says that she took the box and break it. Did she break the seal on the box? You know, that's a common term for opening something like that. Or did she break it? where it was broken um, I don't know uh, I tend and I, I maybe because it's my thought has always been there and that's kind of how things have been portrayed of the second one both are legitimate it, you know you'll break open this thing you, you, you use it but that box that the uh, spike nerd was in in December 2021 I went checking to see about uh, uh, alabaster and getting this, it's a mineral uh, type thing. And it's very beautiful. I think it's really neat looking. And I got to checking what the cost of the real stuff was. There's all sorts of imitations out there. But a box that's four and a half inches high, it's not very tall, 15 and a half inches long, and four and three quarter inches wide was $495 for a box that size. That's pretty amazing. Organic spike-nerd essential oil. Okay, You hear the cost of this, you wanna put it on your pancakes for sure. Listen. One pound, it comes usually in small amounts, but I found, it, and she poured this out, so there was, I don't know how much, but one one pound of it in December of 2021, was two thousand nine hundred and eighty six dollars this is not cheap stuff and uh, it brings me to understand that the anointing of christ costs something it was costly if we're going to do service for our savior it will be costly If you're going to live for the Lord, it will cost you something. It was David who spoke the words that we would do well to let echo in our heart when he was offered something for free to serve the Lord and he wouldn't do it. He said, I will not offer unto the Lord that which cost me nothing. He said, I want this to be valuable. Um... When I went to buy the engagement ring, and uh, I'm old-fashioned, plan on staying that way, I proposed to my wife, had a ring for her. We didn't go shopping together and gradually drift into it. I proposed to her. I think that's the picture of the way it's supposed to be it also gives her a clean cut chance to bail if she wanted (laughs) Amen. but when I went looking for the engagement ring when I went looking for the wedding ring that would go with it I was living for that summer in Holland Michigan at the time had friends who were helping me to understand what clarity was and color and all that all this new terminology I was needing to find out about diamonds I didn't go down and this is an old term for you young folks I didn't go down to the five and dime store. Think Dollar General. Um, to, uh, <laughs> I'll translate it. Um, I didn't go, didn't go there and go on the uh, costume jewelry area and you know look for something. I wanted something that was valuable. If we're going to serve the Lord, it's going to cost us something. If you're going to learn your Bible, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you some time. You don't, There's some playtime you won't have. You have to put aside some of the nonsense and shallow stuff and learn your Bible. That's not valuable to everybody. Not everybody I'm talking to is going to even try it. You're not going to put an effort into it and then you're going to say the Bible is too hard to understand. And it's not too hard for you to understand. You're just lazy. If you're going to learn it, it's going to, you're going to, it's going to cost something. You have to put something into it. If you're going to follow Christ, it's going to cost you something. If it's just when it's a convenient thing, if it's just, oh, if I feel like it tonight, if I don't feel like it tonight, if I feel like it today, if I don't feel like it today, if that's all it is to you, you're never going to walk in close fellowship with your Savior. anointing the Lord and showing your love for Him costs something. If this church is going to continue to go forward and do significant things for the Lord and reach people through our personal outreach here and our soul winning, reach people around the world through missions, it's going to cost something. And if we as a group or if the majority of the group ever decide that they don't want to pay that price, then nothing will be done. Because it costs something to anoint the Lord. It's costly. She didn't come with something light. She didn't come with something cheap. She gave the Lord her best. Her best. I could give a great illustration right here, but I, I, won't, I won't do it because... Um, it, it probably encourage you, but it might embarrass someone who's, going, who's relatively new around here. So it was costly. It cost something. Let me just say it this way. I was encouraged today to have someone just of their own volition mention the fact they think that the very best should be done for the Lord. And this is somebody, I don't even know if they're saved. They said, God deserves our best. Okay. just in the conversation. I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's good. Uh, it was costly. It's gonna cost you something. Then let me say it was controversial. Did you know that? It was controversial. Someone called in all excited. They said, We're well, gonna come to your church. And they were excited about it. It's been a few weeks ago talked about it and said yeah ready to go set up an appointment with Brother Carpenter he called was very gracious the conversation ended with looking forward to seeing you right, right, right. all he knew about and I called him back I said man I said we're going to send you to charm school or something I said they called and canceled the uh, appointment it wasn't his fault and he was totally puzzled he goes what in the world because they were very positive I talked very positive man I'm looking forward to it Here's what the here's what the person said on the phone. They said, cancel that appointment. They'd left a message. Said the the assistant pastor is supposed to come cancel that appointment. I'm not coming to that church. Very y'all been behaving out there? Um why was it? <laughs> Now, what probably would not have happened, decided to look ahead time, Right saw me on YouTube and it just totally ruined the form. But, good man, stranger things have happened. Um, <laughs> did they run into somebody who said, oh, let me tell you about that church. There's that in town. Oh, let me tell you about those people. Yeah, I run into people occasionally have a strong opinion about this church and have not, never been here and really don't know personally somebody who has been. They just draw certain conclusions. that's right, But let me tell you something. If we're going to serve the Lord, it's going to be controversial. Not everybody's going to be excited about it. Look at this woman. Look what she was doing. She was anointing the Lord Jesus Christ. She took her possession, and I'll deal with that in a minute. Her spiken that was very expensive. She was anointing the Lord. It was an act of worship. It was an act of love. And yet those who had gathered around Jesus, the reason why they were all there was because Jesus was there. It seems like what she's doing should have been popular, doesn't it, Brother Robin? I mean, she's anointing the Lord and being good to him. All these people are gathered around him. You'd think they say, man, that's awesome. I wish I thought of doing that. <laughs> it's not quite how it worked. Look what ends up happening in verse 4. And there were some, it wasn't all of them, but there were some. And it's important, if you're not careful, you, the some will seem like everyone to you. You have to be careful about that. See, I told you he was working. Amen. I told them to thank you when they saw you. The place looks good out here. Appreciate that. Um, There were some. Now, catch what I just said to you. If you're not careful, you'll think the some are the all. Well, everybody... No, everybody isn't. Don't let a few loud disgruntled make you think everybody's messed up. And there were some that had indignation within themselves. They were indignant... How dare she do this? I'll show you how dumb that is in just a minute. And said, why was this waste of the ointment made? It was controversial because some said what was done for Jesus was a waste. Well, you've got good talent. You can make a lot of money with that. You can speak. You can hold a crowd's attention. You'd be a great motivational speaker. There's serious money in that. I know you're gonna say you're gonna be a preacher. I'm telling you things I've heard young age and different things. You're gonna be a preacher. What's your fallback on that in case that gig doesn't work out? I'm gonna be a televangelist. That's what I've got in mind. Um, you're doing what? What a waste! You give money. To what? Missionaries? What well, do they need that for? It. Don't they have churches over there? Or better yet, don't they have their own religion? It's <laughs> all stuff you hear. What are you talking about? How many times does your preacher make you go to church a week? Some of you all have heard that, haven't you? You know anybody who thinks a Baptist preacher can make his people do anything he's never been around a Baptist church. <laughs> make anybody do anything. <laughs> Thats what just go, go with the reality of that one. Don't want to. once you to serve the Lord out have a willing heart. What, what in the world? They will think anything done for Christ is a waste. You've got a good voice, right? you're singing in church? Man YouTube at least or something. did what? And there were some not all, they were very indignant and said this is a waste. She is anointing Jesus Christ and she is doing something very valuable for him as a direct act of worship to him and they think it's a waste. Sometimes when a Christian lady decides to be modest for the Lord she gets pecked by all these hens around her. What are you doing that for? What are you doing that for? And if if you ask them who are not being modest why they aren't, they'd get all up in arms about what are you doing? Why is it your business? Why are you judging me? And yet they just will ride you about it. You Christian ladies have to have a special brand of courage to live modestly in this whole world. Amen. So what's modest? Give you a real easy primer for tonight. I'll teach you more later. Easy primer for tonight. In, any brother, young or old, in this church should not have to avert his eyes when you walk in the room. Any brother who's trying to overcome pornography, addiction, stuff should not have a falling point because you don't know how to not wrap your body like it's wrapped in sram wrap and come in here showing off. That's a little nudge of it. I'll teach you more about it later. You can breathe. It's all right. I mean, you've been in this church a long time. I'm not talking about just tonight and it feels like I mean a lot of years. Is anything about what I just said out of character for anything you've heard in all the years I've been here? No. Why? Because it's still Bible. It's still interested in ladies and men being godly. And the Bible's the one who, when it mentions godly women, also brings up modesty. Why? Because you have been given a tremendous responsibility and you've been given a tremendous influence of power. It's to be done according to the hidden man of the heart, which is Christ in you. It's to be consistent with holiness. It's to be consistent with uh, not being ostentatious and and not drawing attention to yourself. And it is to be consistent with you being uh, a proper representation of our Lord, who's very lovely, very appropriate, uh, very good. And this whole world will constantly be pressuring you to make merchandise of yourself and cheapen yourself that way. It's not what God wants for you. He wants something a whole lot better for you. And so this thing's there. And, and, and so you decide to live modest. You decide to grow. Wherever you may be in the stage of that, Trust me. Some people start out, they've never heard anything about before. That first step of modesty might still have people go, whoo, uh, like that. But you know, you've been around it for years, you know better. At that point, it's a matter of going against what you know. But the, uh, when, whenever they, uh, whenever they do that, you know, making, you make any kind of progress for right, you're going to find out. It can be controversial. Um, it's controversial with people with that. And then let me say, some got upset her for do. Try it again. Some got upset at her for doing what she would with what was hers. Look at it if you will. Um, the uh, the statement that is made, verse five. look at verse five, he says, "For it might the the spikener might have been sold for three hundred pence more than three hundred pence." It had been given to the poor and they murmured against who? Against her. So they were upset at her. Now hold on. Who did the spike nerd belong to? (laughs) I put this down with this. It's amazing. It's going to be controversial if you decide to live for the Lord. You're going to have some people who will give you a hard time about it. And it's painful at times. Especially if it's people that you took to be your friends and then they're jabbing at you over it. That's painful. But look what happens. They got upset at her for doing what she would with what was hers. Think about that for a minute. See if I have any monies here in this wallet. Right? I'll get you hope so. I'm not in a sharing mood tonight, Wes. So I ain't it. Right, there's a five. Suppose I take that five dollars, Nate... And I decide I'm going to give that to missions tonight. Right? And suppose Nate sits over there and he leans towards Natalie and he says, I don't know why he did that. You know, he could have done something else with that. He could have better invested that elsewhere. Here's a basic question we would have at that time. Why is it his business? Nate, is this your five dollars? Don't check your head, yes. (laughs) I like that. Very fast. (laughs) Good deal. You didn't disappoint. (laughs) Okay, one more time. Is this your $5? Okay, it isn't. Uh, So it's not business. If I reached over and found out if he had five and gave it, that'd be different, wouldn't it? (laughs) We had a panhandler hit us once. Somebody's hitting up for money in Chicago. My wife and I were out with friends of ours, Bob and Cindy Lou Marshall. Bob was the general manager of the roofing company where I was a manager. And we were downtown Chicago, and we got hit by one of the best pain handlers I've ever hit. He just, man, he, he he knew how to turn it on. He's like, don't you have anything? He goes, man, don't you have any compassion? I mean, this guy was good. And if you've been downtown. I mean, you get them around town here, but they're just standing and looking at you. It's aggressive. You get down in the big cities. And I was sitting here. I honestly didn't have any money. I said, "Man, I said I'd like to do something for you." I said, "Bob, you got any money? Give this guy something." Bob ended up giving him ten dollars. We went away. Bob said, "I'm going to kill you if you ever do that to me again." I say, "What were you doing?" That's Fraction being a Democrat. Here, let me take your money and help these people over here. And so what I did was that I took somebody else's money and gave it. But what right did they have to be upset at him or at her? Because she used her money to serve the Lord. Somebody says, oh, what no, no, no. It shouldn't have been done that way. And look what they said. Look, look how they covered here. It says, verse 5, For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. So they say, oh, no. we should. She should, oh, that much money. That thing, I mean, 2021, a pound of that stuff is $2,986. What? Oh no, that should have been, you know, you, you claim to be a Christian, you should have done this with it. Here's a statement with it. They held their values and priorities up as a self-righteous way to judge her. By the way, Jesus blows right through that thing, the next statement down. But here's the thing about it, one of the people who got most upset right there, do you know what, do you know what happened after this? After this is when Judas went and made a covenant with the priest and such to betray Jesus. You say, okay, what's the significance of that? Judas was the treasurer of the group. And it says in another place, Judas, you know, when he was upset about why was this waste made? It said not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he kept the bag. Judas did not care what was happening with the poor people. Judas was skimming out everything that came in, and he's sitting there going, "That's <laughs> a three thousand dollar donation. You did what was it?" I mean, it's kind of hard to, you know, scam part of it away when it's done right in front of everybody. And so he's outing out hypocrisy over it. With it, now wait a minute. I mean, it was costly, and it's going to be costly if you're going to serve the Lord. It's controversial. There's going to be times it's going to be controversial, and then it was commended. Commended was when you put your endorsement on something and say, I'm for that. And it's the Lord that commends what she did. Look in verse 6, he defends their actions. They, they, they make this statement, why was this sold? Why was this waste? Do you know how many people we could have fed for that? Look what Jesus says. Verse 6, and Jesus said, Let her alone. That's very direct, isn't it? Everybody's saying, Well, I don't know. And Jesus turns around and says, Leave her alone. To me, that's very direct. Then look what else he says. He says, why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. This crowd is gathered together. Theoretically, because Jesus is there. She's worshiping Christ and they're upset because of what's going on with it. Then look at verse 7. Man, you can understand and read the very obvious statement there. He slaps them hard in that sentence. For you have the poor with you always, and whensoever you will, you can do them good. That's the Lord. He knew what they were doing. They're sitting there saying, oh, if we had that money, we'd take care of them. He'd say, you always have them. Anytime you want to, you know what you can do, you can go help them. Whenever you want to. But if you want to, and if you actually do, maybe two completely different things. What is it? He said... Whensoever you will, you can do this. You can take care of her. And they're just they kind of oblivious to what he says with them there. And so he defends her actions. He says, she is worshiping me. Leave her alone. I'm glad to know that even though serving Christ is costly, even though serving Christ can be controversial, I'm glad to know the fact that he defends those who are trying to serve him. And he defends those who are trying to worship him which is vitally important also. And then I want you to notice He not only commended by defending her actions, He commended by remembering her actions. And that's the last verse we read in verse 9. Look what He says. Look what an honor this is. Verily I send you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Lord said, I'm putting an eternal memorial up for what she just did. Not made out of stone. Not engraved in something. But in the, the everlasting Word of God. God erected a memorial for her saying everywhere the Gospels preach. You think about that, what that means. All around this world, all the different languages, all the different nations, at one time or another, this lady's deeds have been remembered And Christ not only defended her and said she'd done a good thing for me, but he said, I'm going to tell you what else, I'm going to make sure she's not forgotten for what she did. So it was costly. Hey, if if we as a church are going to serve the Lord, it's going to cost us something. I took umbrage with a brother that came here for a good while. He said, what's Umbridge? uh, I, I, I took exception with him had had some controversy with him. nothing I say to you I didn't say to him we'd have uh, our men's meeting for the budget and he was always saying, well I think we ought to just go ahead by faith and put in the money that we need to pay. I think by faith we ought to build this building and do that he did that every cotton meeting he was in I know that's a political incorrect word now, but I don't care um the, uh and get over themselves. They, whoever's worried about that. Um, but the thing about it is, he, he every time we had one, he would say, "I think we need to just step out my faith." Yeah, I confronted the brother, face to face. And I said, "You know, if you actually ever gave anything in the offering, your thoughts would be a lot more carry a lot more weight around here." Well, I think we ought to just build my faith. Good? Be given anything? No! Do it by faith. No faith in you. The preacher preacher not that kind of heart, nope. If anything, I'm too soft. Um, I did err on the side of grace. Well, I think our church I ought to just do this. You do anything to help this church go forward? No? Okay. We're going to be here. here Hear the preacher. We'll be kind to you. Do that. Get out of your way while you're going for seconds in the line. Um, All kinds of things. But you understand something? If we're talking about actually doing something for the Lord, it's going to cost something. I want to be a part of a church that does what it can for the Lord. I don't care how we measure up in anybody's criteria of measurement. To any other church, I don't compare. <laughs> you know, it's man, Brother Bell and I have had an occasion to be around each other a little more than usual in the last three or four months, either by phone, it's not super often. Uh, when I've been up there uh, to preach, we went up for chapel, and we talked, we went out to dinner, and we talked on for a couple other occasions. Do you know what has never been the topic of our conversation at all? How many of you running? How many of you running? How you doing here, how you doing, here? How you doing here? We're talking about general health of the church. You know, It's not. Here, here's what the conversation's about. Uh, a lot of it's about somebody's been a blessing. A lot of it's about ideas. A lot of it's like, how, how are you doing this to be a help to people? Hey, what are you teaching on now? Do you have a series going? What are you finding that's being helpful? That's the kind of thing we're talking about. Brother Gene said, we sit uh, there when, when he wasn't preaching at the meeting. He came and found us at table. We sat together at the new meal they had when we were in Union Town. Guess what was never the subject of the conversation? Hey, well John, how many are in now? Hey, well, tell me no, wasn't it? Tell what's going on, man. What's the Lord doing in your work? How's things going? How are you doing, man? You see what I'm saying? So I'm not talking about measuring up so we can tell somebody, we had this many in Sunday school, we had this many saved, this many baptized. I don't care about it. We we'll don't broadcast that stuff never did. I don't care about it at all. As far as somebody else knowing. But I do care about us being used by the Lord. I do care about us when as a group, and we individually do this, when we see our Savior giving a good account that we used our life well for him. Whatever our vocation may have been that we actually used our life for the Lord. So it was commended. And then let me say, and then lastly here, look at it. It was consecrated. This anointing of Jesus was costly. It was controversial. It was commended by Christ. And then it was consecrated. I'll show you what I mean by that. To consecrate is to give your devotion to something and give yourself to it. Look in verse 7, where He rebukes the people, and then what He says after that. He says, For you have poor with you always... And whensoever you will, you may do them good, but me you have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. It was consecrated because what she did was done for Jesus Christ. The smallest act, the most simple thing that you do that's done for the Lord. He so how do you do it for the Lord? You do it as unto Him. That's when Jesus said, as you have done unto one of these little ones, you have done unto Me. On the other side of that picture, when He was talking to Saul of Tarsus, He said, why persecutest thou Me? So, Tarsus had never done a thing to lay a hand on Jesus Christ. But Jesus was saying to him, every time you imprison one of my followers, every time you persecute them, every time you compel them to blaspheme, which is one of the things he was doing, he said, anytime you do any of those, you're doing it to me. So if we're going to consecrate our, what we do, we do it as unto the Lord. It changes how we do things. It changes how we treat the people that are closest to us. It changes our interaction with those people we meet. It it uh, controls our business and how we do things with people. Our integrity. Um, all these things. Why? Because we do it as unto the Lord. It's consecrated unto the Lord. And by the way, that will give you strength day by day. And sometimes when you things don't seem to quite turn out or... Be as fruitful as you'd like them to be. You do it as unto the Lord. Everything about it. And then when we come together and meet in this place, as God's church here, and we meet, gathered, assembled together as we're supposed to, and you teach a class, you help with something, you sing, you help with the ushering, you help with uh, uh, moving things around, getting them set up, Help with the meal. Help with the, whatever it is you're doing. A lot of things we can name, and you do it as unto the Lord. That way you've you've tried to be a blessing. Somebody says, I don't know why they serve that. Yeah, it's going to bother you if you're the one who cooked it, tried to organize it. There's always somebody nitpicking instead of working like they should be. But that's that's you. That's just you, and you're gonna run into that. And I wouldn't pinch your heads off just like you do. So that's it's a normal. You feel that way. But you decide you're doing it for the Lord. You have one of those days when you teach a class and it seems like anybody who was listening wasn't getting it. And you can come out, sometimes teaching and singing and speaking and all that can be very discouraging. You come away feeling very discouraged by it. And uh, was anybody getting it? Was I clear? Did I get across what I'm into? Those things are there. And, uh, and you do it, but you do it unto the Lord. You do it to the Lord in your preparation. You do it unto the Lord in your delivery of things. You do it unto the Lord as, as you do it. You say, well, I'm just moving chairs around. Do it as unto the Lord. These are chairs so people can sit and hear the Word of God so God's people can be comfortable so they can come in and they can be attend upon the Word of the Lord without distraction. These are important things. It takes the whole group of it together to make it worthwhile and solid for God. When, when she anointed Christ, this group who had come around Christ, they some of them were not bothered by it. Doesn't mention here, but only some took indignation about it, which means others weren't bothered by it, some maybe even glad, but the whole crowd didn't just say, hey, isn't that the most wonderful thing? And she wasn't doing it to be seen. She wasn't doing it to show that she had, you know, three thousand dollars worth of ointment to put on it. She wasn't doing it to show off this beautiful alabaster box she had, probably worth in excess of 500 bucks. She wasn't doing it to get notoriety. There was one focus, and that was this is for Jesus. This is something I have, I possess, that I can use for Him. And that's all I want to do, to be used in the Lord. Let's pray with me tonight. Father, thank you for your people, and thank you for an opportunity to serve you tonight. Lord, you're mighty good to us. We'd like to be good to you. And Father, help us to get self out of the way so we can. And Lord, I pray we may be a church that follows you and serves you, that wants to be used of you. And God, may we be attentive to you for these things. I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together, please. Is there something